Welcome to this episode of the India in Focus podcast. My name is Tamra Segal and I am the Communications and Outreach Manager at Harvard's Lakshmi Mittal and Family South Asia Institute. This podcast is brought to you by the Mittal Institute at Harvard University and Times of India. For this episode, we are joined by Professor Subramanian, who is a professor of population health and geography at Harvard University. His current research interests include developing and applying data science approaches for precision public policy in the context of health, nutrition and development with a focus on India and understanding individual and population inequalities in health from a multi-level and cross-comparative perspective. Professor Subramanian, welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, so, Tom, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So uh, I'll start off with our first question, um, which is that we know that any progress on key issues related to health, nutrition and population uh, requires policies and actions that are geographically precise and effective. This is where the India Policy Initiative, a collaborative initiative comes in. Could you please give us an overview of the India Policy Initiative? Um, thank you, uh, uh, Tamra. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. and. Uh, let, let me uh, start by, uh, first of all, thanking uh, the, the Lakshmi uh, Mittal uh, and Harvard Family South Asia Initiative or Institute uh, to hosting me here uh, during this time. Uh, so, and thank you for taking the time to, to, to learn about uh, this India Policy Initiative uh, in, uh, that, that we currently have. Um, so, so to give you a broad uh, overview, what is India Policy um, insights initiative about. It is a cross-cutting data science uh, platform that cuts across various uh, domains uh, including health, nutrition and uh, population and within these domains we are kind of uh, creating policy indicators that are aligned with the Government of India's uh, uh, many programs of Government of India touching on these domains. Um, and uh, as part of this initiative, we will be building uh, a very comprehensive uh, interactive dashboard that would allow uh, users to kind of uh, perform various kind of functionalities in understanding how India's critical policy indicators are performing across. And one of the unique aspects of our platform is its comprehensive nature with regards to geographical coverage. Um, so, you know, the, the, the geographical units or levels that India Policy Insights um, are, are kind of focusing on uh, include districts. So as you know, districts are a very key component of administering a lot of these programs um, and um, a lot of the social and health programs in India and, and a primary target uh, kind of a partner here are, are administrators at various levels, you know, uh, such as the district collectors uh, or even later. Uh, the another uh, uh, level of geography, or two levels of ge uh, geographies that are probably for the first time uh, being kind of uh, given salience and prominence are the parliamentary constituencies and uh, the assembly constituencies in India. And as you would know, these both these uh, uh, geographical units are uh, have a member representatives 
who are in charge for ensuring uh, to reflect the vision or to reflect the needs of the constituents as well as uh, to, to provide for, for, for the constituents. So bringing this critical um, kind of uh, uh, you know, leadership into the discussion on policy through filling in this data gap uh, is, a, is a sort of a key innovation of India policy insights. Currently, there is nothing, nothing uh, out there when, where you can get how a particular constituency is doing, whether it's a parliamentary one or assembly one, on any of the major policy indicator. Last but not the least um, is the more micro geographic units, such as sub-districts, uh, which are like uh, uh, a level below the districts, where, where a lot of the implementation operation occurs in the administration of these programs, as well as gram panchayats and villages, which are the ultimate decentralized unit. And as you may know, again, gram panchayats and villages are both a political um, uh, governance unit, i.e. there are elections there. Um, so so the, that's the most decentralized unit with regards to um, both the reflection of our people's aspirations as well as uh, the accountability at that level. And not only these are just uh, kind of governance units, that's where people live, or I should sort of say that that's where at least rural India lives. So, you know, people don't live in districts or states, people live in their mohallas or villages. And, yeah. and so though that's a sort of the broadest coverage um, that we have. Uh, and, and this would be the one platform that will provide this kind of a comprehensive uh, uh, kind of a dashboard for, for all our user groups to kind of engage on how uh, India is performing. Um, just as a last point, our crucial partners here, and as you may probably uh, have anticipated, uh, we are working very closely with the India's leading uh, think tank organization, the, the Niti Aayog, uh, where I also happen to have the privilege of being uh, honorary senior fellow to the government of India at Niti Aayog as well as um, the, um, uh, so they are the kind of nodal partner in this effort. We are also trying to build partnership to other groups, especially the Lal Bahadur Shastri National Academy of Administration that has the mandate and the mission to train our administrators right from the foundation level mm -hmm. and right up to phase five when they become joint secretaries and later when they become secretaries. So these are our two kind of government of India partners. Um, and, and last but not the least, our third partner is uh, the a International Institute for Population Sciences, whose data we currently, uh, you know, the, the data that they collect through these surveys uh, forms like the phase one of this project. As we move forward, uh, as you know, these data sets, the survey data sets are not very high frequency. Yeah. Um, so as we move forward, our goal is once this is built, uh, 2.0 will incorporate a more high frequency data that is coming from the government, uh, their administrative data. Right. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, wonderful overview. Um, 
So my next question is that as part of your research, you have been comparing data across districts. Um, is there anything that you have found particularly interesting or surprising as part of this um, research? Uh, so, like, you know, we've been sort of doing research not just on districts, but also on, as I mentioned, on these other geographical units. The, the one common theme, there are a couple of common themes that have emerged in this context. One, we find that uh, in India, if you ask, what are the big drivers of variation, right? Where does life differ? Uh, the one geographical unit, and that is very we are well aware of, are the states. So states in India are very, very different, right? Or, or on different outcomes, they, they tend to vary a lot. And oftentimes you must have heard, oh, you know, Kerala does extremely well, or yeah. Bihar or Uttar Pradesh is, is not doing so well. Yeah. So we are very well versed with this idea that there are large state differences. Yeah. However, when we look at these other units, including districts or parliamentary constituencies, yes, there are variabilities within a state between districts or between parliamentary constituency, but a much, much larger fraction of variability lies within a district, okay. not between districts. So a lot of the research that we've been doing on a variety of health and nutrition and population indicators seems to very consistently point out this, this notion of uh, states matter a lot and micro uh, villages or even assembly constituencies and most likely these sub-districts are going to matter a lot. So, so there is this kind of the micro units being very important and the very macro units, uh, but the meso level units appear to be somewhat less important in relative terms. Now, there is a kind of a very, um, based on this kind of observation driven by data, or for the first time we are able to truly understand this multi-level layer of variation, like the state differences one can anticipate why that might happen, because different states have, can potentially do different things. Uh, a, a particular state may, may, may choose to do more on some domains like health and nutrition while others it may be constrained unable to do some so we can expect some big differences since uh, a lot of these issues related to health nutrition and population tends to be state subjects okay. uh, uh, and uh, the, the other uh, aspect that i said within district that's where social and economic life happens okay. so like you know so so i feel that these this insight of, of like, you know, very uh, within district variation being important is very uh, important. Right. The second aspect that's sort of that we have found, and that is true also in general, if you look within a state, um, like th there are always examples of uh, some kind of a positive deviance. What do I mean by that? So in a, for example, in the state of Bihar, you may find a district or a village or an assembly constituency that's doing remarkably well. And especially well given the state uh, where you may not have. So these averages are kind of not only um, uh, somewhat only partially true or at times misleading. We are also seeing that we can find evidences 
of a district doing quite well, which can be like, you know, for example, if you're trying to uh, focus on a particular district in Bihar and then say, oh, look how Kerala is doing, that's not a very fair comparison or maybe not a very relatable comparison. A more relatable comparison would be, are there other districts in Bihar that are doing well because those things may be more easily transferable or maybe if not easily transferable, more relatable to see what might be happening because they're still part of the same larger ecosystem. While Kerala might be a very different world or Himachal might be a very different world. Uh, so those are some of the sort of the uh, ways in which the data has revealed something different that we did not know before in such uh, concrete ways. Um, how does the work done through the India Policy Initiative interplay with Sustainable Development Goals? Um, so uh, as you know, like the, the Sustainable Development Goals uh, uh, have a much broader coverage. It's not just related to health, nutrition, uh, but, but it includes like, uh, things like energy or infrastructure. Okay. Um, so how does our work relate? Certainly in the initial stages we are focusing on where most of the strength of the data is. So we are kind of focusing on this health and nutrition where we have had a lot of data. But our effort really is to eventually be able to, uh, we are still in the process of um, collating or collecting secondary data sources um, that are uh, that directly or somewhat loosely relate to uh, SDGs um, and, uh, and then develop those SDG indicators at each of these geographical scales. Uh, in this regard, we are trying to also work very much with Niti Aayog, which is a kind of a nodal agency in India right now in, um, in kind of, uh, how should I put it, in kind of driving the exercise related to uh, monitoring the progress on sustainable development indicators, uh, especially at the state and district level. So, so we are trying to kind of, um, you know, work collaboratively uh, within that domain. But to start with, we are focusing on health and nutrition. We demonstrate what these platforms can do and then expand that to a much wider array. Um, if I may, like, you know, uh, alongside, like, you know, when we think about these uh, platforms, uh, it, you know, when you make it cross-cutting, uh, obviously, like, you know, you, you are, there are advantages to that. Your ability to look at indicators from, let's say, livelihood, like MN Rega, yeah. and link that to undernutrition. Okay. So if, if there is a shortfall in MN Rega, is there a, 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 yeah. a, a increase in stunting or mm -hmm. something. So cross-cutting domain offers some really unique advantages or even looking at like things like, you know, how, um, you know, apparently different things could be more strongly correlated. At the same time, because a key kind of operational word of our project is really how to ground it and how to ground it and truly how to make it policy relevant. An additional thing that we are doing is building bridges and collaboration with specific programs that are running in the country. Right. Um, so that helps us ground this kind of a data science platform in a way that suits that particular program. For example, 
uh, we are collaborating with the central TB uh, unit within the Ministry of Health. Okay. Or we are, we are trying to forge a kind of a connection with the Anemia MOOC program. Okay. Because these are very specific programs and how we can support them, empower them uh, with whatever little we know or we can do. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, or for example, at a very broad level of governance, with, for example, Mission Karma Yogi. Um, so the idea here is, while we do want the cross-cutting, at the same time, we want it to be of kind of a little bit more grounding, which can happen through identifying specific policy programs that are already in place, right? right? So, so I just wanted to make that also kind of clear uh, within the context of this broader um, kind of the scope of the project. Okay. Um, how much of a discrepancy is there in data that is reported at the state and district level when compared with data that's reported within these mi uh, macro zones uh, such as gram panchayats? Uh, so this probably may feed back to the one of the points that I made earlier. Mm -hmm. In one sense, <clears throat> what we see as very distinct is uh, between this, uh, when we look at something at the district level, but is this within district variability. Uh, and when we start looking at things at the village level, for example, the variability really increases. Now, what, that, what does that tell us? That really tells us that, you know, if, if we are kind of, it, it is fine as a starting point to identify a district uh, as being a target. But what we really want, so if you take, for example, a district in India, on average, it has about you know a million people or more yeah. on average, yeah. with with quite dramatic variation, um, and um, you know on average again they may have um, you know a thousand villages. Some right. some have almost like six thousand villages, yeah. uh, as per the census of India twenty eleven. Yeah. Now you can imagine if you're a district collector, where do you focus? So so imagine you are in charge of the district. Now, a real task is to say, okay, which of the 200 villages should I focus my yeah. resources on? Yeah. Because not only resources are scarce, so that's one part of the story, but in order to bring in efficiency and equity, you need to develop some degree of prioritization. Right. And prioritization at a very micro scale with a degree of precision so that you get the resources to people who need it, right? right? That's the only way you can bring efficiency right. uh, and equity because it's first going to the village that really needs that it. That required, wherever is the greatest burden. So, so in what sense, like, does looking at these sub within district uh, geographical units, whether it's the gram panchayats or villages or sub districts or assembly constituencies? brings us that precision in our public policy and it is in that sense that we feel we are adding value over and above what we have come to learn a lot from looking at state and district patterns. But having said that, I, I might also add that I think um, which we also hope that the project will demonstrate is 
you know, we can't wait for the perfect data to arrive at the village level, yeah. right? So there is a, so at the district and state level, there is lots of reliable data. But as we go down, our ability to get uh, a very, especially a high frequency, reliable data that everyone can agree upon saying, okay, this, this is very reasonable. We are not quite there yet, right. okay? However, we got to start somewhere. So, so that's also a part of the motivation here is not to just keep criticizing, oh, you know, this data sucks or what data sucks, but, yeah. but like, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. You can pick even like my, my vision is when we have this, we can even pick like 50 districts or um, I don't know, 10,000 villages out of the half a million villages yeah. where we feel that the data provided by the government, the administrative data, right, are quite okay, are reliable, yeah. and that can actually trigger a better, you know, how do we also build uh, through these exercises um, whereby data quality is improved. And it has to be done in a more institutionalized way rather than just criticizing um, you know, uh, in a very broad brush manner, because I'm more than certain that at a broad level, we could argue that India has a long way to go with regards to some of this data, especially at a high frequency level. Yeah. But at the same time, I can also, I'm sure we can find, I'm very confident that there are districts and villages for which we have currently a lot of reliable mm -hmm. data. Maybe not for all the half a million, but certainly for a substantial number. And that would be a good place to start. Could you elaborate a bit on the behind-the-scenes scientific operations uh, that are required to produce India Policy Insights? So I, I really thank you for this question. So because um, you know when we were trying to develop this brand, um, obviously uh, you know a, a very large part of the motivation was to produce something for dissemination, for translation. Okay. This, this, is, this was, that was the ultimate. So I have more than half of the grant, or I would say the, both in terms of the motivation as well as its uh, output and so on, right. is going to be, and um, I had to have numerous discussion with, uh, with, with, with policy folks or even, you know, people who, are, this, this grant is very, uh, generously supported by, by the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I, I, I give it to them that they, they saw that before we can produce something at the parliamentary constituency level, before we can produce something at the assembly constituency level, both already were in the, in the kind of the thing, hey, we need it, we need it, we yeah. need it. Um, or at the village or sub-district level, their recognition that there needs to be some science that needs to happen behind the scenes before we can produce these at the robust in a robust way. Uh, that that was very important. So so I I give a lot of credit to them. There was a lot of discussion, but the recognition that some of these efforts requires some some degree of kind of scientific um, developments. So to 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 answer your question like more specifically, what were those in 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 our case? So the one of first one of them one of the uh, kind of the scientific um, kind of as methodological advancement or uh, or kind of uh, innovation or some degree of 
uh, effort that we had to make was, for example, if you have data available at the district level, and I want to uh, uh, compute something at the parliamentary constituency level, because the two boundaries are not coterminous, there are 740 districts and about 543 parliamentary constituencies. Uh, in a, a parliamentary constituency, you have two or three districts crossing uh, by within that thing. So how do you kind of create uh, something of an approximation for a parliamentary constituency based on a district level data? Right? So we had to come up with what we call some, uh, you know, using geographical information system approaches, uh, what we call a crosswalk based on some kind of a, a population weighting that you have to do. Uh, so it's a combination of some statistical uh, aspects as well as GIS or geographic information system related aspects to come up with such a crosswalk methodology. Um, and uh, so that's number one. Number two um, uh, relates to a kind of a, to, to an aspect where um, we, we, you know, when we, uh, when you do have sub-district data, um, for example, in the case of the National Family Health Survey, we have data at the cluster level, uh, clusters are villages in the context of National Family Health Surveys. However, uh, you know, uh, different clusters may have different sample size. Right? These are survey data, so not everybody is measured. So for example, if I have to estimate a, a prevalence of underweight at the cluster level, it's coming from a sample of children, right. not all the children. Not all the children. Not all the children. Mm -hmm. So similarly, if I, if I aggregate all the clusters in that district, it gives me a reasonable, robust estimate of both the mean for the district as well as the variation, but, but it's coming from a sample of clusters not all the clusters. So if there might be thousand clusters, you're getting it from hundred of them because it's a sample. It's a sample survey. Okay. So when you have a sample survey, and especially when you go to small area estimation, so a lot of the scientific work here had to also draw and contribute to this methodology of small area estimation. What happens when you don't observe all the kids or every kid? Some clusters may have a lot of children, some clusters may have less number of children, and you need to take that into account in your estimation process because you don't want a kind of a sampling variability to be driving your estimates of the mean prevalence and so on. So, so that was the other innovation where we had to kind of um, apply and kind of tweak on some precision weighted methodologies in order to take account of this variability. Uh, and lastly, uh, the third major aspect of the scientific innovation really uh, uh, came to bear on this, uh, the biggest challenge. So for example, like, you know, there are only 20,000 uh, villages data that I have on, let's say, underweight or stunting, but I want that for all the half a million. Uh, so then we use like, you know, leverage the census of India data that has a lot of information on what the characteristics of the villages are from a social aspect, from a demographic aspect, from an economic aspect, and, uh, and in terms of the infrastructural amenities. Understood it's a very older survey. Uh, so we left, but it doesn't have the outcome data. When I say outcome data, like indicators of nutrition or health and so on. Yeah. So what we do is like we have to then build prediction models. 
Uh, so using the data that we where we observe both, so both the outcome and the census variables, we develop our prediction models, and then we apply, and then we, using that prediction model, we predict for the remaining ones. Okay. So so that's kind of like you know is is a is a somewhat of an iterative process. So there we used kind of machine learning models uh, to in order to kind of uh, you know come up with robust estimates. Um, I mean just a, a caveat uh, again like you know uh, once you we, we published this in a very leading scientific journal the proceedings of proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences um, and like you know science as you know is kind of an iterative process so you can always improve upon it. And as I have kind of seen, uh, that was more of a methodological paper. We exemplified the undernutrition there. But having spoken to people, uh, policymakers and so on, looking at the data more empirically, uh, uh, I've been sort of also thinking of how can we improve upon these estimates? A, statistically, for sure. And also B, with my partners that we are working with, whether it's Niti Aayog or whether it's the uh, Lal Babu Shastri National Academy of Administration. We want to kind of like reach out to district collectors right. and say, can we get some ground validation yeah. for our estimates? That would be excellent. Yeah. Number one, we can also undertake exercise whether our estimates, you know, it's it's not quite a kind of apples to apples comparison, but the administrator, the Anganwadi worker, does measure the child's height and weight uh, on a very high frequency. We can, there is variability in the quality, etc., etc. but we can ask like the district collector, which village do you think you, you, you are very, or sub-district you think you're very confident of with regards to the data, how it's collected, how it's entered, it's high frequency, etc., etc. what kind of uh, checks you have implemented. And we can compare our estimates with that, which is far more current. So, so they are trying to see if there's a way we can triangle produce an at, at 2.0 version of a village estimate that can be come up with a more triangulated estimate for, for that. Because this is very critical. It's not like an academic exercise because resources are going to flow. It's ultimately about the child, yeah. right? So whom we are trying to uh, get at as a beneficiary. Um, so. My hope, my hope is that, ideally speaking, I would, I would spend my energies not in trying to kind of come up with like these kind of estimates, but if we had a system of surveillance where these are just counted, yeah. uh, then we can, the, the, the energies that we have or other organizations have, individuals have, can be better spent in actually coming up with uh, doing more policy prescriptive research as opposed to just policy descriptive research because right now I'm mainly describing how a village is. Okay. At the most I can say okay this is how the village changed or this is how the district changed but then the follow-up question is okay so what should we do about it? So when you see a pattern what should we do about it and 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 that requires kind of prescriptive research right yeah. so we can then say okay off the government programs etc etc but but we are doing we are this we are at the level one the, the you know we are not at ground zero we are certainly 
higher than that uh, at a very, very critical gap that does exist in descriptive research. We are trying to fill that in a, in a very robust way so that it sets the ground and for, for more efforts to focus on prescriptive research. And that can happen if some of this can also contribute to strengthening the administrative data system. That is really our goal here, that you know these tasks, I would rather spend time thinking more about the, the, the critical question of you know, what explains that and can we come up with an intervention and do it, as opposed to only doing this, um, trying to do descriptive research. So uh, the last question that I have is, uh, what other initiatives are you working on at the moment? Um, so all, all the other initiatives that I'm working on are driven by a very talented group of uh, people that I'm privileged to have, you know, which includes like students, PhD students, high school students, undergraduates. But broadly speaking, I have two other bigger initiatives um, that I have. One is. I am engaged in a very similar effort uh, in, in, in the United States uh, on, on creating these kind of policy indicators at the level of congressional districts. Um, so, so again, as if you're familiar with the US system, and, and India is no different, or any country is no different, the administrative geographies do not speak very um, easily, so to speak with the electoral geographies. So, so again, like um, when we created a COVID dashboard, both for India and for the parliamentary constituency, and we had also created one for the congressional districts, and we got a lot of reception, uh, a lot of um, uh, 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 like responses from, uh, from congressional representatives um, from various states or from the committees uh, requesting us to do more uh, so that they can serve their constituents well. So, so I, I'm sort of very interested in, in that project that is happening, which is mainly on congressional districts. Um, um, last, as a big project, I'm also kind of, I'm really sort of intrigued and interested in this idea of heterogeneity. We have, we have focused too much um, on, on, on averages. And I feel that it's time to move beyond averages um, and look at the variability and the, whether it's at the individual level um, or at the population level. Um, and I, I feel that more often than not, at least in the exercises that I have done, I have found that the, the, the heterogeneity or variation is the norm while average is the exception. So that, that's a kind of a more of a, and it has like conceptual implications and it has methodological implications and obviously empirical implications. Those are like the two, two of the big uh, other parallel initiatives uh, that, research initiatives that I'm working on. And um, I'm also sort of uh, very passionate about the one course that I teach I'll, I'll make a plug for that, okay. <laughs> um, sure. which is on uh, multi-level statistical models. Okay. And basically these are kind of a regression techniques, or they are regression techniques, but they are regression techniques that allows you to undertake analysis simultaneously at multiple scales. 
So both individual and population, and you can define population in various ways. So this is something that I've been very fortunate to, 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 be, to be able to teach uh, at the Harvard School of Public Health, and I often get amazing students who, who continue to push me. So, so I want to, especially in, in light of the COVID that happened, uh, I'm very interested in, in improving the pedagogy related to that. Yeah. And I'm also hoping that as this is developed, the India Policy Insights, that will lend also itself to training programs and educational programs. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if training programs is part of the scope anyway to, for the administrators, but I'm also f uh, thinking that these could be just seen as educational platforms, Absolutely. right from the high schoolers to graduate students and the data, everything like you know visualization and so on. So, so part of the research, at least for me, is always about learning. Um, and and so once you know that there is something there that we can learn, then it automatically lends itself to to be a part of a curricula or a sort of an educational effort. So, so that that I mean I I, I don't sort of see a very sharp distinction in that regard between what I do as research and my educational uh, interest. Great. Uh, well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure to host you and to learn more about the work that you've been doing. So thank you, Professor Subramanian. Thank you so much, Tamra. This has been a great pleasure. Thank you.